This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So as, as we're talking through this and for people who are tuning in and we don't have to go through a whole overview of what's happening right now, you know, w- one of the biggest aspects of you kind of taking a content and reimagining it, it uh, I, I think it takes a lot of the planning. Uh, I feel like a lot of personal projects, at least for me, it, it gets very difficult, right, to go in there and and just take the first steps right so at least having something starting with some kind of fan art right uh inspiration to draw from uh to kind of carry through and 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 kind of reference right really helps especially as a 3d artist Uh, i think concept guys have a lot better time doing this but like as a concept uh 3d artist you're doing a lot of 3d concept to kind of get the wheels turning to kind of get the wheels going Right. So um, you were kind of mentioning 3D concepting and and that is one of your focus point for doing this type of project. Uh, Were you always doing that before or is this something a a new type of process that you you really wanted to nail this time around? Um, Actually, yeah, like it's 3D concepting is always that was actually my um, my first uh, like introduction to ZBrush. when I first started using ZBrush at the time, I actually wanted to be a concept artist. I was in school for it. Um, well, I was in school for concept artists. I actually, uh, I went to the art Institute. They didn't have a concept art program. Um, so all the people at that school that wanted to be concept artists, they would just get together after school is over and find a classroom and just start drawing, start sketching, start, you know, sharing tips and tricks with each other, uh, watching videos and doing whatever they could to level up. They actually called the concept club. Um, and I was kind of like on the, I was kind of like on riding the fence at that time. Cause I was, um, an animation major and I was really getting into modeling. Um, I really liked, uh, using 3ds max and modeling hard surface stuff. Um, and then finally I took a ZBrush class. This was like towards the end of my time there. It was like in year three. Um, and I really just loved it. I picked it up immediately. I remember, uh, I really loved sculpting with clay before that. And I just loved how fast you could iterate and, um, prototype things in ZBrush, um, you know, you're not married to topology and stuff like that. So I would just kind of absorb that. And so that was kind of my uh, first um, kind of step into it. And so um, after school, I started just um, just playing around, trying to pretty much doing things what I'm doing right now, just um, doing different fan art, doing stuff that I want to see myself. Um, I did a, a bebop um, design back in the day that um, was really fun. Um, that was all 3D scope, uh, all 3D concepted. Um, I did like a pirate uh, woman, um, kind of nice. the same way, um, you know. And then, and then, kind of just uh, going off of that, like uh, learning different tri- tips and tricks along the line, um, kind of picking up little uh, things here and there, talking to other uh, friends of mine that were doing the same thing. And so, uh, this has always just been kind of a fun 
kind of exercise for me. And actually to this day, actually at work now, um, I do pretty much all my concepting in 3D, or at least I integrate 3D into it um, to, you know, take care of an- anatomical things and I'll do like paint overs. So um, ZBrush is great for that. That's what makes it such a great program. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so ZBrush seems to be your main tool set that you use from beginning to end. Uh, do, do you use any other programs, uh, uh, at least for the modeling process, um, while you're concepting to, to final? Yeah, um, I jump back and forth between uh, ZBrush and Maya uh, or three uh, 3ds Max uh, from here to t- uh, here and there for like uh, cleaning up pieces. Um, I use ZModeler and ZBrush, but I've always been I, since I kind of learned from, uh, on the onset to model in uh, 3D suites like Max and Maya. I'm still more comfortable there. So usually what I'll do is I'll uh, panel loop stuff out. Uh, but if I need to do any kind of a, a, a heavy modeling on it. Then I'll take it to Maya. Um, I'll clean it up, do some things to it, and then bring it back in uh, to ZBrush and kind of work from there. Um, this piece, for instance, uh, this more I want to play uh, more of like some hard surface techniques. Um, trying to pick up some some techniques uh, from Vitali um, and from guys like that um, on how they kind of prototype things. And so that was like the the challenge with this was that um, kind of kit bashing some things together. Um, but there's a lot of things like, for instance, uh, Marvel's designer was used for the jersey um, because sometimes I'll sculpt things in like the waistband, for instance, like the, um, the compression of this is definitely hand sculpted. But some of the other things, I just find it a lot easier just to knock it out real quick using a uh, uh, Marvel's designer. Um, I think you can get like some really quick results. Um, if it's if it's really complicated, then maybe it'll be a combination of that and like some some modeling in ZBrush. So those are my big three right now. Uh, for 3D suites. Do you feel anything changing in the future landscape to your techniques where you feel you feel like something's missing? Uh, because it feels like you have the pipeline down. Uh, we looked at, you know, the future tech of, of, of game engines being able to pump out more and more polygons and, and, and textures and, and being able to like characters even better now. But do you feel something along your production pipeline where you at least been hearing things that will that cease that seems to to really increase your your workflow or or, or just really help you with any shortcuts that you're struggling with right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the landscape's always changing uh, with, uh, with when it comes to the tools. Uh, when I first learned 3D, there was no substance painter or substance designer. So there's a lot more hand-painted techniques, you know. Um, and then since then, now, you know, uh, more of those procedural uh, suites have come in and really just sped up the workflow immensely. Um, there'll be a, there's going to be a day someday when UVs are going to be a thing of the past. There's going to be a, a day someday when hair cards are kind of antiquated, um, and then it'll make our life easier. And what that does is it just opens the door more towards um, artists to really get a, a foothold in. Um, you don't have to be such a technical guru anymore to get in. I think that's a barrier that a lot of, I've seen a lot of talented artists that kind of dip their toe in 3D that I know could have excelled. I, you, know, you know, you would see them like tinker around with like some Dynamesh for an hour and they bust out some amazing stuff. Uh, but the, you know, then when it came time to retopple it or, or UV it, you know, their eyes are crossed and they, you know, go run back to, you know, 2D where it's safe, you know. And I feel like a lot of, uh, and, and I already kind of see it. Um, we actually just hired a character artist and she started off as a 2D artist um, and she was, she has amazing talent. And um, 
she picks up 3D so fast because all a lot of those barriers have been um, kind of knocked down and she can just, you know, concept and, and iterate. And then we can worry about the technical stuff later. There's a lot of tools that can um, really streamline that stuff, especially with texturing and, and lighting. When I was in school, we still had to mo- light everything in uh, mental ray. And I don't know if you ever use mental ray. It's not user friendly. It's not great out the, out of the box. There's a lot of tinkering you have to do with the settings and it can get really daunting. But now we have things like Keyshot and, and Marmoset tool bag, um, that just makes it so much easier. You can see all these uh, amazing artists coming out now that can just really knock out some great pieces, some great looked up pieces without having to worry about, you know, setting their gamma and, you know, getting all that stuff set up right. Um, they can just really just make uh, some, get some really nice results. So absolutely. And that actually leads to to a very interesting question. So with all the tool sets, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm becoming the the old man Talking about the heydays of Photoshop, how we used to do things differently, right? With all these uh, tools getting better. <laughs> um, I, want, I want to hear your opinion about like with all these other tools making life so much simpler. Do you feel like a lot of new artists coming into the field are, are losing a bit of something foundational skills that we've kind of built up uh, through the old ways um, that they're, they're missing? Or is it all just all benefits? I think so. Um, there's, there's definitely an argument for that. Um, you can make that argument for really any, any industry. I mean, since we're talking about basketball players, I guess I'll make a basketball analogy yeah. or, you know, you'll see um, all the old time players, you know, like Bob Cousy and stuff talk about all these kids today that all they want to do is dunk and, and yeah. do fancy dribble moves and stuff like that. And they, they ignore all the fundamentals. Um, well, there is some truth to that. Um, to, till this day, the best basketball players are still the ones that have all that athletic stuff and they know all the fundamentals. You know, you look at any great, like truly transcendent uh, talent, um, they don't just get by on national talent alone. It's only going to take you so far. You still need to learn the fundamentals. But I think, um, once again, when, you know, when those old school uh, players are playing, they were smoking cigarettes in the locker room and eating, you know, red meat every day because they thought that that was the best thing to eat. And, you know, like nutrition wasn't where it is today. Athletic science isn't, uh, wasn't where it is today. Um, and so the today's generation kind of uh, benefits from that. And it's the same thing with, you know, going back to uh, 3D art. It's the same thing. Like the natural talent is still going to be a benefit. Um, and if you could put that together with the fundamentals and use all the tools um, that are available today, then you're ahead of the curve. Cause a lot of, um, kind of to flip it around a lot of the old, old school people like me, like I was a late adopter, relatively late adopt adapter to, uh, the newer tools like substance, Desi- substance designer and marvelous designer, because I spent so much time learning how to sculpt drapery and folds and understanding the, uh, the different types of folds, you know, compression and gravity folds and things like that. And I had to spend so much time learning all those, uh, Photoshop techniques, learning how to hand paint all that stuff. And uh, when I picked up, when I finally picked up those tools, um, it was actually a benefit because I was able to apply that fundamental knowledge. And I was able to do things like, for instance, like in Substance Painter, you can't just, you know, throw a smart material on something and call it a day. Um, you're going to see it's going to look very procedural still. There's, you know, there's only so much, a, a, you know, a smart material can do. You're still going to have to come in there as an artist and understand, okay, well, wear and tear is not going to be equal across this whole surface. It's going to be more worn out on the knees or on the you know, palm of the hand or things like that on the glove. Um, and you still have to you know, bring that kind of fundamental knowledge to it. So it's, it's really a combination. Um, and for those people who have the talent and also put in the work and kind of keep up with the tech, then I think they're leading the pack. You can see it across the board. 
Did you know the top 10 mobile games in the U.S. grossed more than $340 million in June? Do you want your game to earn more? App Figures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may already know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now, App Figures can help you keep track of competitors and the game market. From how many downloads they're getting and how much money they're making to their audience demographics and even which tools they use to power their games. Their competitor intelligence gives you great context. Got a great idea for an app or a game? With app figures, you can figure out how big the market is and how much money you could be making with it. Say a competitor adds a new feature or was mentioned in the news. With app figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads. And that's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your game or building a new one, app figures has what you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. Best of all, you don't need a large budget or data science degree to do this kind of thing anymore. App figures has made it affordable and simple. On top of tools, app figures also provides a lot of guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. They just released a free guide on that, actually. Head to appfigures.com forward slash on forward slash game dev unchained to try app figures for free. Again, that's app figures, A-P-P-F-I-G-U-R-E-S dot com forward slash O-N forward slash game dev unchained to try it for free. If you like it, use our special code GDU3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I think, um, it's very much the same type of argument between uh, 2D and, and 3D artists and the ones that can do both are insanely talented. And you can see through their expression uh, how, how, how there's a different this is, there's a different type of flavor. I, I feel when I ever I, I see like a, a master of everything kind of approaching a, a particular project. So very much the same way, I think the old guards are always going to have a an issue how how much <laughs> things are easier now quote unquote right but uh, right. I, I think for the anyone that has have the longest legs in the industry are the p- types that that embraces new tech that embraces new ways that completely opens up uh, a different way of thinking uh to evolve as an artist, uh, to evolve as a developer, or to evolve as a businessman, anything of that sort. Uh, anytime that you close off in, in a technology-driven industry uh, only spells trouble, in my opinion. <laughs> right. You're still out there talking about how CRT TVs are, are, are used to be the way of things. Uh, you know, no one's going <laughs> right. to take you seriously. You're, you're definitely showing right. your age a bit, yeah. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's um, the other thing that comes with the new tools is that the bar rises. You have to rise with that bar um, where, you know, a, a certain character used to take, you know, a month to finish. Now with the new tools along, uh, you know, that have come along, the expectation is to finish that same character in maybe two or three weeks. Um, and so you have to kind of keep up with that and stay um, up to date with all the tools. Um, there's just no resting, you know, in this industry. It's too competitive. There's too many people out there churning out. I mean, I, I teach at Noman. I can tell you right now that next class is coming and they're, they're pretty good. They're like, they, they know their stuff. They 
grew up with these tools. And so there's no barrier there. And they're also being taught, taught the fundamentals and stuff too, because no one's great at that. They still have, you know, traditional sculpting classes and drawing classes. And these types of schools are popping up everywhere, you know, uh, CGMA, all these different schools. So um, the competition is, is pretty crazy out there. So that alone is why you have to stay on top of it. There's no, you know, resting. And, um, you know, the true pros, you know, the, the people who really uh, are excelling in this industry in the first place are the ones who love to do it. Um, whether they love, you know, have a love in their personal projects um, or, you know, they, they bring it into the studio too, which is important. Um, there's always going to be that, um, that kind of drive there. And you just need to make sure that you kind of keep that fire going, keep the, uh, keep the pilot light lit uh, on that and, and continue to kind of grow and, and progress and, and challenge yourself. Uh, that's kind of my outlook on it. Uh, when I look at these personal projects, it is definitely uh, marketable. Uh, it's, it's a good marketing opportunity too for yourself. And that's really important actually as an artist, because you want to, you know, you want to have your name out there. Cause once again, it's so competitive. Um, there's a lot of, you know, killers out there and like, they're, you know, they're really good at marketing themselves. So you, that's another thing that you need to um, uh, kind of evolve and grow with. That's kind of like where I'm, I'm trying to uh, improve on this year too. Um, in the past, I wasn't really um, great at marketing myself. I was just kind of like uh, my nose to the grindstone and uh, trying to churn stuff out, trying to, uh, you know, reach a certain level in my career um, and, and just work on projects that were appealing to me. But there is a, a ha- like kind of a, a, a meeting point between those two worlds that you can live in where you can make something that people love to look at and then it can blossom into things that you weren't even aware. Like, you know, like you can start, you know, busting all these pieces and sooner or later people want to buy those. People want to buy prints from you. People want to, you know, uh, come, you know, watch your streams. And so there's uh, an opportunity to kind of, uh, share that and then share that knowledge with the, with a bigger audience. So yeah, marketing this stuff is definitely a big part of it too. Um, a lot of people grew up with space jam. So I knew that would be a big one. Um, I'm actually working on a new series. Uh, I, if we have time, I have to show you guys real quick, uh, something I'm working on like a sneak peek. No one's seen this before yet, but oh, I'm, man. I'm trying to get 3d printing. So I'm, I've been like kind of messing around with, uh, different stuff so i'm doing like my series on like a uh, realistic mario <laughs> so like yeah. this is like a whip right now this is like a ripped so yeah Man. big rip mario so like it's like this, the smash bro <laughs> smash brothers version that's that's before uh covid mario right that's uh <laughs> yeah that's funny Maybe before, he's to to the protein. yeah all that protein yeah he's Dude, got, he's got awesome his, he's got his uh, bling on there Dude, that's so incredible. that's what I'm, you know, in Yoshi's mix, and then I'm, yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. That looks so incredible. this is what I'm working on right now, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it like a, a, a more realistic Yoshi and put him on his back, and uh, you know, try to <laughs> um, get some 3D prints out of this and, and see where it goes. So this is my first attempt at something from the beginning, planning it out as a 3D print. Yeah. Um, I still have plans on printing some of my older stuff, but this one I just want to streamline for that. Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, I can kind of like start developing new hobby and then maybe that hobby can turn into something else in the future. But you now just that's a way of keeping it fresh for me so that I don't um, kind of get bogged down in the same flow um, every time. Yeah. So explain to me while you're getting into this world, I'm, I'm sure you have a lot more character art friends than I do. Right. So 3D printing has become like quite synonymous with character uh, developers, uh, character artists in the game industry. It, it just seems to be like a natural extension of your skill set. You know, I'm already sculpting it. Now, why don't I print it so I can hold things? Um, right. How? 
from at least your beginning understanding of that industry, I mean, how, uh, what, what, what is that world like? Like, is there like a, I know that you're, you're going to approaching this as a hobbyist, but I mean, is there a potential uptake in that in, in, in building a, a business venture or, or any extension beyond just, just making cool, cool art pieces? Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at some of the other uh, really successful 3d artists out there who are, um, uh, kind of branching out and uh, kind of monetizing themselves. They all started from just being uh, a fan and a student of of character art and, and art in general. Mm-hmm. And they kind of blossomed out from that, um, usually very organically, you know, like um, you, they start off just, you know, uh, really enjoying making art. And then they would build a fan base sooner or later. And then you, you start getting requests from like, man, like, can I, can I print that out? I would love to have that as a print. And it's like, well, like maybe uh, what's this 3d printing stuff. Maybe I should look into that. And then you start, you know, you kind of go down that rabbit hole and then you discover prints for yourself. And then um, you start busting these out. And before you know it, you know, uh, different collectible companies are hitting you up for contract work or, or uh, maybe, you know, speaking of contract work, maybe you're, you're a contractor. And um, after a while you build a, uh, a clientele, to the point where you decide to maybe branch out and create your own contracting business where you, uh, you know, just you're, you're an outsource company. Um, all of that kind of organically comes from, you know, you know, starting at that grassroots place, kind of building it organically um, and uh, building up a clientele and a fan base uh, from there. And uh, that's kind of like where I'm, I'm trying to uh, go to. That's like the kind of the next step in things is, uh, you know, I'm still kind of a student of the, you're, you're always a student of the craft, but at the same time, um, I think teaching to that next group is really important. So I've, I've tried to, you know, set aside time to teach um, and at the same time uh, grow like other businesses uh, as far as like uh, outsourcing and, and just really helping out like studios um, where they need it. Cause I think that's really important. Yeah. I mean, that's um, I think that's one of the biggest benefits of, uh, of being an instructor and, and being a, a part of, uh, the new crop of developers uh, at the same time, you're, you're in the forefront of uh, giving back to the community, which is huge. I want to thank you for that. And, um, and, and, and you learn a lot by teaching, right? You, you kind of better your, your knowledge, base, your foundation at the same time, you know, a part of you is like scouting the talent, right? You're like, all right, how many, <laughs> how many years I got left before these guys take my job, right? Uh, because they're coming in cheaper, more, more, more willing, right? I mean, there's a lot of things stacked with them, right? I mean, if they come with the skill set, of course, of course, it's a huge, huge plus. Uh, that's not to downplay, you know, experienced veterans, right? I mean, there's a place, there's a reason why AAA studios or what they call quad A studios now want to hire senior professionals because there's a certain, I would say, patience, right? There's a certain quality and approach, uh, a certain general aspect of game development that requires a senior professionals to kind of take hold and, and, and be leads, right? Because come on, right. can't just hand the key, kid the, to the, I mean, hand the kid to the keys to the car and just expect them to be suddenly driving these multi-million dollar projects. It's absolutely. that's one yeah, thing that I rest on. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, um, when you, you know, kind of put your years in and you pay your dues, that's ultimately like everyone's different. Obviously everyone has their different ambitions, um, I've always seen it as, yeah, like, um, uh, I don't plan to be a production artist forever. Um, as much as I love it, um, it can wear on you. 
Um, especially the way the industry is going right now, crunch is becoming more and more uh, just an accepted cultural thing in, in the game industry. Um, but there's other avenues. And I think uh, uh, as artists, sometimes we kind of accept um, the way things are um, where, you know, there's other avenues you can go to kind of, uh, you know, build for yourself, you know, um, outsourcing is obviously going to become uh, more prevalent in these years, especially with, you know, the way things are going um, as an artist, an indiv- I'm just talking about as an individual artist, um, you know, working from home, working remotely. Um, and then also just keeping in mind uh, smaller studios that don't uh, require as much crunch. Um, obviously the larger studios, they're going to, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is right now. Hopefully there's reform coming, but I wouldn't bank on it because like, you know, there's the quality bar is at a place right now where you can't go backwards. You can only go forward. And it just takes a lot of hours. It takes a lot of iteration and it takes a lot of people who just love that lifestyle. And there, there are those people out there. And I used to be one of those people. I still am. I still really love um, just grinding on something until the late hours. But there's also a part of me that um, is like, well, I've got a kid on the way. Uh, you know, I, I want to spend some, some time with my family. Oh, thank you. Um, and so, you know, just kind of exploring those other avenues that maybe uh, don't go down that same path. I would say, uh, changing the pace uh, of a game developer started when a kid is on the way. <laughs> I think that's the traditional story. Yeah. Is like, oh, I can't keep doing this <laughs> the right. way I've been doing this for so long. It's a wake up call. Right. It's a maturity, Absolutely. I think, and it's very healthy to kind of think that way because sooner or later, you know, we're we're gonna get pretty old, get slower, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and while we're young, we, we need to kind of take these risks and explore uh, naturally. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why GDEX was built is to kind of get people thinking about what the next five years look like and not just about, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can stay up to 3 a.m. Uh, every day, seven days a week, right. all the time, right? It's like, no, right. man, at a certain point, you don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and, right. Uh, I say that, but like I look at you, I was like, man, this guy must be still staying up pretty late to make these crazy projects you know, because it's a lot of work. I am yeah. like these these things were definitely. Well, I'm one of those guys. So that's the that's the the catch because I'm one of those guys that like my best ideas come at like two three in the morning. Oh wow! Um, okay. So it's training. Usually, what I uh, yeah, it's it really is. So like at the same time, like you know, I'm kind of fighting with myself on that, um, but it's really just about setting your hours. You know, you can still do, you can still work both in. It just depends on, you know, how you are. Are you a morning person or you're a late person? I'm just more of a night person. So like, you know, spending time with the family during the day and then like took them all in by, you know, 10 o'clock. That's when I start getting going. And then I'll from 10 to 10 to midnight or 10. To, I usually say I'm going to conk out at one o'clock. <laughs> um, this is me. Like, I'm not telling you all oh, you guys you need to do this. Some, some of you guys, it might be the opposite. Maybe you want to wake up earlier in the morning and start grinding on this. That might be an option, you know, get up at five in the morning and then, you know, do your stuff like, like your Rocky training for a fight, you know, just, you know, get up with the sun and then do all, get all your grinding out of the way and then go drop your kids off at school and then get on with your day. Um, but there are slots that you can definitely fit that in uh, without killing yourself. Um, it's really just about time management and uh, just prioritizing. Um, I've got a bunch of, I've got just as many games on my hard drive. I haven't played than projects on my hard drive. I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, at a certain point I was like, I'd rather finish those projects on my hard drive than those games on my hard drive. Mm-hmm. Those games are going to be there. You know, they'll be there when I retire <laughs> if it takes that long. Uh, but I kind of have that itch uh, that I need to scratch when it comes to making art. Um, and so it's been there. 
And I can definitely see my, you know, my mood change when I have it. It's kind of like a, you about athletes going back to the athlete <laughs> analogies again. Sorry. But, um, you know, like if you talk to athletes and stuff, some of them, like they just can't, if they haven't, if they've gone two days without working out, they, it's like a noticeable change in their demeanor. Um, and I'm kind of like that with art, you know, it just kind of keeps me centered. So that's, uh, I just make time for it. Yeah, I definitely, you're definitely speaking my language. You, you mentioned athlete. I, I like to uh, consider myself as an athlete, but I do, I do go yeah. aggro, man, uh, especially being quarantined, like not going to the gym and doing my yeah, regular totally. workout. Yeah. I, I totally feel you, man. If you have a certain habit and basically it's the way you breathe. And um, if, if you just venture off of that, you do there's something that clicks, right? Uh, I mean, not clicks, uh, that ticks you off a bit. It's just a simple thing right. uh, because you're just off your rhythm. And uh, if anything, this time is really testing our rhythm. And um, right. I, I think if there was a certain period for me, and it sounds like you haven't hit that switch yet, where, yeah, I was like spending all night doing stuff. And then I forgot exactly when, <laughs> where I just suddenly became a morning person where my best thoughts were at like, I can wake up at 5 a.m. and just rock out for the next six, seven hours um, yeah. and, and work on that. But like at 9 p.m., nothing is coming through. <laughs> nothing matters anymore, <laughs> no matter how important the deadline. I'm just turned off and need to uh, retire. So, uh, again, yeah, I definitely hear you on that one. Yeah, <laughs> different artist, man. Uh, right. Same approach, I think. Same idea. Yeah. Right. Same approach. You know, you got that. Like, like when you're when you're truly driven by something, then there's always going to be that thing like in the back of your head that's just always like poking you when you're not doing that thing. You know, it's just like um, you just need, you need to get it out. It's almost like a hunger. You know, you have to eat every day. Otherwise, you get start getting hungry. It's the same thing with uh, anything you're passionate about. Um, and if you're an artist out there listening to this and you don't have that little thing poking you in the back of the head, don't feel like that. That means you're not cut out for it or anything. Maybe you're just not inspired. Maybe, um, it's time to just kind of reflect and think about well, the stuff that I'm working on, this personal process I'm working on. Are they really something that I'm interested in? Or am I doing this because I think this is going to get the most clicks, you know, you know, am I, am I doing a sci-fi character because I think sci-fi characters is what people want to see when really you want to do medieval stuff or cartoony stuff. Um, really just doing like an inward look and, and decide, you know, and see like what it is you, that you really enjoy working on. Cause half those stuff, the things in my hard drive that I haven't finished is because I started on it and I realized it just, uh, it wasn't where I want to be at that point. I might go back to later when I'm in a different mind space, but it, like I, I really just give myself a, a project that I know that is going to um, challenge me and also it's going to keep my attention. Um, whether it's at five o'clock in the morning or at two o'clock at night, wherever, it, uh, you know, uh, wherever I'm working on it. So that's kind of my advice. I get that a lot from students, that question. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, sometimes it just, uh, you gotta, you gotta look around a little bit to find that inspiration. Yeah. Inspiration is definitely one of those things that kind of help kickstart your, 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 your mojo for every personal project and personal projects. If anything, I know there's a lot of talks with indie developers, especially throughout the day, you know, making a game is a huge different undertaking. Right. And I feel like a lot of people right. just forget the steps in between is like, well, can you just make something right now uh, and then deliver it within a week? Can you do that? And uh, most, I would say that can't do that. Won't be able to work with the team and, and deliver that game right i mean that's just the reality uh like how 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 can you take a huge step if you can't take the small steps right right and And it's it's baby steps 
Exactly. And I think a lot of the projects, if anything, uh, I, I feel like the people who are now that everyone's working from home, right? Um, everyone's kind of forced to to kind of think this way. But uh, I, I've noticed like a transition for people who who just love working in the office, right? Uh, I was like, oh, man, I, I can't take this anymore. I need to go back to the office. I can't concentrate. Well, to me, it tells a lot about like, well, you probably never really did any workout uh, like artistically outside of your nine to five, right? You're not used to this, right. to this lifestyle. So uh, everyone's such as yourself is probably loving this. Is like, yeah, man, I can be at home. <laughs> Finally, God, <laughs> give me yeah. more of this. <laughs> right. It, so. It's just a different, um, it's, it's, you know, and it, the, the, the opposite, cause I've seen the opposite too. Cause yeah. like my friends is my team, my, my character team, like it's like a 50, 50 split. Half of them, uh, wish that they were back in the office because they just, um, you know, like, especially it depends on your, your, your setup at home too. Like I'm fortunate, like, uh, you know, I, I have like a lot of space to work with, uh, at home and, um, I don't have like noisy roommates that are, you know, you know, making a racket or whatever, or, you know, like, or just whatever your home life might be, maybe it's not conducive to being creative. So some of those people might want to get back in the office just to get, um, and, and that space. Um, but wherever you are, it just, it just me, it just, it's important to understand how to uh, lock in and really just uh, get down to it. Um, Cause yeah, me personally, I, I just came up always working alone late at night. Uh, I've done this since high school or, or earlier since I was like a kid in grade school, really like I have a project and you know, it's an art project and I go way overboard with it and do all this crazy stuff. And I'd be into way late working on it. So I've always been that person. Um, some other people, they get their, be- they, they got their best work, during at school in class, like, and as soon as the bell rang, or whatever, they kind of just checked out and, uh, but they still made amazing work in that time. So I guess it just depends on the person too. Um, so that's a factor. All right. I mean, we've had, uh, we started this with some technical difficulties, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that we kind of ironed things through and kind of got back into the groove of things. Uh, we are at the end of that hour and I want to spend this time to personally thank you for joining us and becoming part of G-Duck's history. And it's always a joy to kind of see where you're at with your personal projects. Uh, I, I consider you as one of the best character artists that I know, especially not just through your techniques, but the the, the content and the, the joy that you bring into your projects. I mean, it's just self-evident. And it's always a, a pleasure to kind of see how lazy I am <laughs> compared to your work <laughs> ethic, man. But uh, I want to spend this time to uh, hand over the mic to you to kind of give a shout out uh, give attention to for the people watching the live or the recording uh where they can find your work and connect with you yeah absolutely uh, thanks for having me by the way by the way man it's uh really great being on this uh with you man uh appreciate you um what i'm working on now is um just stay tuned on my instagram uh, uh dk woods 3d um and you can also find me on art station under demand woods uh, i'm going to be putting busting out a bunch more of these you guys got a sneak peek at the mario there's more to come uh, there's a bunch more announcements uh, that I can't wait to show you guys. So just uh, stay tuned. All right, Damon. I want to thank you for your time and wish you the best, dude. Always connecting, always checking up with you. I <laughs> hey, appreciate you, man.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give GameDev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody